How is everyone doing? This is the 17th episode of Cooper's Chalk Talk. Today, I'm going to be talking about, it is Pride Month, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about, um, just in general, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of times I feel like you read a lot of stuff about the, um, actually, what is it, the LGBTQT community, I think that's all the letters in there, um, but I don't feel like you ever hear about it necessarily from like a straight person's point of view. I feel like a lot of times it's someone who's like extremely biased on one subject or the other, so I'm just going to give you kind of my point of view on it not a lot of numbers or anything like that just kind of point out my kind of thoughts about it in general and then also um i want to talk about just in general um, magic mushrooms are kind of getting legalized all over the place um denver was one the city of oakland actually just passed that they're legalizing so just going to go over once again a very unbiased thought process you know some of the pros a lot of the you know some of the pros some of the cons as well i think that you know, a lot of times, you know, if you listen to one person who's very pro on it, they're not going to talk about any of the negatives. They're just going to say like how magical it is and how great it is and how, what a great experience it is. But there are definitely some negatives about it as well. So and that is something that I do want to cover. Um, I think the, the growth in the mushroom, I think, you know, interest in the general pop, uh, general population is something growing, especially in the medical field. So that's definitely something that I want to touch on. Um, as I do find it very, very interesting as that is catching a lot of, um, exposure right now, just with, you know, I think psychologists and stuff like that, trying to find different ways of solving, solving people's depression, anxiety, um, and all that stuff that kind of weighs on different kinds of people, whether that be cancer patients or just the average person. So I want to touch on that. I find that stuff pretty interesting. So First things first, guys, let's talk about the LGBTQT. Once again, I think that is all the letters in the in it. I, I really do think it is. Um, but once again, I think to, just talking about that, I, I want, it's Pride Month. And, you know, I read something that, you know, I think I read it early last week. And I was like, I need to say something about this because I just find it very important to that community coming from, you know, once again, just normal straight guy that's, you know, that's very heterosexual and, you know, but I just think that, you know, I read this article about these two lesbians who got beat up on a train. I think it was in like London or something, you know, beat within inches of their life from what I read. And, you know, it was a pretty brutal attack. And the reason why I say that is, you know, coming from a straight person, it blows my mind that that's still kind of going on in today's age. You know, I mean, it's, you know, once again, maybe 50 years ago, that was a really big deal, something that kind of stood out. But in today's age, you know, it, it, the way that I kind of look at it, and it, I kind of, I kind of see the gay community and, you know, whenever I see like, you know, gay couples or anything like that, I think, you know, it's, I, I don't, don't even blink an eye at it necessarily anymore. Um, so with that being said, you know, whenever I was growing up, you know, I, I grew up, you know, pretty normal and whenever, you know, someone was, you know, I had, I had some friends that were gay and stuff and that never really bothered me at all. The way I actually thought, saw it was whenever I found out that there was a gay guy, I kind of saw it as, I was like, all right, well, that's, it's kind of, you know, in my mind, I was like, all right, well, there's one less guy kind of chasing girls that I'm interested in. So, you know, I found that, I found that I was like, I was like, all right, cool. It's just like, you know, it's kind of a buddy that's not going to be chasing the same kind of girls that I am. So I kind of like that in a certain regard, you know, I, you know, and I never, you know, once again, from my point of view, I've never really had, you know, any, any kind of gay guy or anything like kind of overstep his bounds. I think that it's pretty clear on like which side of the fence I'm on. And, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's always been a pretty clear level of respect. And I think that's very important as well as not crossing that. And, you know, once again, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you always hear like, you know, straight people being like, oh, you know, like, it's fine, do whatever you want to in your own private or your house, but I don't want to see it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you have to make sure that I, I feel like it's very fair in the same light. And the way that I kind of see it is, you know, 
if you're going to say that kind of stuff, I think it's important that you kind of hold yourself to the same standard. Like if you don't want to see two guys making on public, that's totally fine. I, I, I think that that's, you know, you are more than welcome to have that opinion, but you have to have that same opinion. I kind of feel like in the straight community and the way that I, I've always been somebody who I'm not extremely high on, you know, PDA public displays of affection in general. I just think that that's something that, you know, I don't feel like is necessarily needed, whether you're gay or straight and, you know, whether you're gay or straight and you're like making on public, I'm going to look away. You know, it's just something that I don't want to see. And, um, I think that's something, you know, I, I've listened to different, you know, different podcasts and different comedians talk about, you know, like looking away from whatever, like two guys are kissing and they get like, they kind of get shit from the gay community. Cause they're like, Oh, it's you're, you're, you're being biased about, you know, the two gay guys. And the way that I kind of see that is like, I don't really want to see anybody really like just like making out with each other. Like, two people are out at a club and they're drunk and wasted that's one thing like no i will like you know once again i turn away because that's not something i really want to watch but i think no matter what which way you kind of stand you know it's it is what it is i just think that you know if you're going to stand on one side of the fence i think it's important that you do kind of hold that same respect because you know once again it's if people are trying to find you know especially in today's age you know i feel like you know there's so many things of trying to find the right person and all this stuff. And, you know, I think as long as you can respect how someone's, you know, how they kind of view themselves and what they're interested in, I think that's all that matters. I mean, it's hard enough, it seems like in today's age from just, you know, once again, I'm lucky that, you know, I'm not single anymore and, you know, I'm, I, I get to get married this year. So it's, it takes a lot of stress off me, but you know, it's, it's not easy, easy, easy time to be, to be single. It seems like, I feel like all my single friends, you know, there's just, there's so many options and everyone's playing the field. You know, it's not just like, Oh, there's, you know, all the single, all the single guys are getting to date a bunch of girls. You know, girls are now just as single as guys are. And, you know, I think that, you know, just like that, I think that that's probably equally as difficult in the gay community as it is in the straight community is, you know, everybody's trying to find this right person. So, you know, kind of having this like cast of like, I don't know, of, of, you know, I hate to say, it, but like almost have this like cast of shame because you're interested in somebody, you know, just because that is what you're, you know, for whatever reason drawn to, you know, I just don't, I just don't find it right. And so, you know, I looked up some, some, just once again, I, I, I'm a numbers guy. I like to look at numbers. And one thing that I kind of found, you know, really sad just in the LGB community, it, it, that's what it's kind of under. I looked up the Trevor project. I found that, you know, they actually have some really good numbers, um, just about, you know, just facts about suicide and actually, you know, how it kind of links to the actual, um, to the actual gay community as well. So, you know, just looking at this, you know, it says suicide attempts by um, LGBT youth and questioning youth are four to six times more likely to result in injury, poisoning, or overdose. And then of those, um, of those, like, what is it? The national average 40% or sorry, the next one is 40% of the transgender adults reporting having made a suicide attempt. 92% of those of individuals are reported having an attempt of suicide before the age of 25. So, I think that there's like a two part caveat to this because, you know, why is this number so drastically high? You know, if, you know, if, you know, if 40% of any community of any person is trying to kill themselves and then 92% of that, that 40%. So, I mean, shit, that's, that's what I would almost go to like, say that's like, you know, what, 37%, 36%, something like that are trying to kill themselves before they're 25. Like there's, there's a two piece portion there. And I think a lot of it is, I feel like, you know, it's, you know, they're kind of feeling cast out that they don't feel like they have like a place necessarily in society, which, you know, once again, that's very difficult because it's people trying to find their way in life. But at the same time is, you know, what kind of forced them to go down that path. And I think a lot of times that's, you know, how they're kind of raised, how they're kind of growing up and, you know, you know, what, what kind of life altering thing kind of had them fall into this to where they felt like this was the right move for them. And then once they're kind of in it, you know, 
where did they kind of go from there? Did they have a, a sense of like regret or did they just not like the person that they were, that they were, they didn't like the skin that they were in necessarily. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, whenever I read that, I was like, it's kind of crazy to think, you know, one demographic of people have basically a 36% chance of trying to kill themselves before 25. That's seems extremely high. Um, and then, you know, once again, um, just looking at just LGBT youth, um, con- contemplating suicide is almost three times the rate of heterosexual youth. So once again, I think that, you know, one, the main reasons why I thought it's important to bring this up is because, you know, coming just once again, just coming from like a normal ass dude, just a guy that, you know, I like sports, all that kind of stuff. I think it's important to, you know, make sure that, you know, if there's, if you know someone that's gay or you have like a, you know, just, you know, you have any kind of gay person in your life that you have an interaction with, I think that it's important that you like, that, that you kind of open up with them, you know, have a relationship with them. I think it's, I think it's extremely important. I grew up, I grew up with a friend in high school that was gay and, you know, I had a great relationship. You know, we, we've kind of fallen off over the years, but that's kind of how life kind of goes as you get a little bit older and you move around. Um, but I, I always, you know, I always saw him very evenly, you know, I'd never, I'd never try to treat him any differently. And actually I try to use him as, you know, kind of like, you know, how to kind of find out which girls were kind of interested, you know, making friends with, you know, his friends whenever I was like younger and single, you know? And so I just think that as I think that there needs to be like a two piece to this, as far as like, you know, making sure that, you know, not to get all kind of hippie and whatever, but making sure that there is like a certain amount of, you know, you know, kind of watching out for your common brother, you know, I mean, whether they're gay or straight, whatever, the person next to you, you know, they're a human being as well. And I think it's extremely important that, you know, you kind of share that love a little bit. And, you know, I I say that because, you know, that's what that's what you kind of have to do in today's age. You know, I, I, I will never forget me and one of my good friends were driving downtown Austin. And um, I don't remember the road we drove by and there was definitely this like when we had parked outside because we were walking down to have dinner um, and we had parked outside and we were walking there and we just so happened we didn't know the street or anything we were walking back from our dinner after we parked there and by that time it was probably like 10 30 11 o'clock and there were I mean it was definitely a gay club there was all kinds of cross-dressing going on and stuff and you know we walked by and you know it was an extremely different crowd than what we just were at but at the same time as you know we just we just kind of got in our car and went about it they were all you know they didn't really say anything to us but you know at the same time as you know I thought that it was it was good because it showed the person that I was with you know my you know one of my one of my best friends you know we didn't really bat an eye at it we were just kind of like oh well you know that's it is what it is that's kind of this is this is a kind of like their crowd and I thought that it was nice to see that you know I think if you go back like maybe 10 years and you had like two straight guys walking by and there was a bunch of guys dressed as females, you know, wearing heels, makeup, all that stuff, you kind of walked by and you saw that, there would 100% be almost this like, you know, the, this urge to kind of say something from us or, you know, from their side as being like, you know, trying to walk away and trying to avoid us as like, you know, you don't want any kind of confrontation. There wasn't any of that. So, you know, I do think that it's good. I think that we're moving in the right direction in that regard. But I do think that, you know, there's definitely some more that needs to be done just from, you know, once again, I think that, you know, you know, to a certain degree of just an openness and welcoming of just being like, you know, you, you can, you can, you can be interested in whatever you want to be interested into, as long as, you know, there's clear lines that are drawn as far as like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't cross them. You don't try to like, you know, gay guys don't like try to like hit on like a straight guy and stuff like that. I think that's, I think that's just like kind of common like, I don't know. I've never seen that. I guess I should say that's not very common. I've never, I've never had that happen. So I think that it's, I think in this day and age, I think that it's a growing awareness. And I think it's also growing as far as I think the communities are kind of, you know, kind of 
kind of moving forward and kind of hopefully kind of growing towards each other of, you know, having like, you know, a true community, whether gay, straight, however, whatever sexual orientation you are. I think that the community is kind of growing together is a huge portion of it. So I did want to hit on that once again. Um, just a totally normal dude. Just want to put my light on it. I think that, you know, pride month is a, is a very, very important month for that community. And I'm not somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't go to the parades. I don't, you know, have rainbows and all that stuff kind of dangling off me as I'm, as I'm marching, you know, through a gay parade or anything like that. But at the same time is, you know, you want to do that? That's totally fine. You know, that's, I have nothing to say against it. I think, you know, celebrate, celebrate what you believe and celebrate, you know, what you're, you know, quote unquote, you know, prideful about, you know, that's why it's called pride week. But, you know, I think at the same time is, you know, in the heterosexual kind of realm, you know, I think that, you know, you can be accepting Well, you don't have to necessarily, you know, go to a gay pride parade to be like an accepting person and, you know, be welcoming. So, you know, that that was kind of my two cents on it. Um, and I, I did want to put a little bit of light on it as it is um, Pride Month. And then just the next portion that I kind of wanted to hit on was the actual mushroom portion of it. So the reason why I wanted to hit on the actual magic mushroom portion is I just feel like it's going to start getting more and more light. And um, actually, I just want to share a great conversation I actually had with a with a psychiatrist. He was it was a, it was a doctor that I was that I was calling on for an ADHD medication. And, you know, he was, he was talking to me, he was like, he was like, oh, you know, like ADHD medications, it's kind of a crazy time in that because, you know, the opioid market's really getting hit, but, you know, ADHD medications are going to continue getting hit because they're so common on the streets and, you know, um, doctors and physicians and everything, they're going to try to find alternative ways to treating this, you know, this thing. That's why you're seeing so much, um, you know, medical marijuana. And even if, you know, marijuana is already legal, you're seeing so much marijuana get used by, you know, in that class of, you know, ADHD, you know, I, I think that's the best way to say it. just that ADHD um, classification for that patient is, um, is they give them marijuana to kind of calm them down and to kind of get them to focus. And I think that that's, that's one thing that's going on. So you're seeing less and less um, amphetamines get distributed by practitioners. But on the same thing is what we were talking about a little bit more, you kind of got into a little bit deeper of a conversation because we started talking about um, the special K medication, you know, the the nasal spray, and we started talking about that and, you know, what ketamine does. And then we kind of got into the whole big thing about mushrooms and how mushrooms are actually being, you know, they're actually being administered in the actual soldiers coming back from Iraq. And one of the one of the craziest things about that being said is, you know, these these guys are coming back with you know, um, PTSD that that are have, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's something that's ever brought up enough is to be going from fighting a war in Iraq. And then you come back into common, common society, and you're just supposed to go find a job, you know, just act totally normal. It's kind of unrealistic to be 100% honest with you. You you can't go from fighting a war one day to going and working at a, you know, at a Petco the next day and ringing up customers and think that you're totally fine. And, you know, I think that there has to be some kind of understanding there. And that's why they're actually using the mushrooms is because, you know, a lot of this, you know, the PTSD and, you know, you think about depression, you know, in the brain, you have these, you have these triggering synapses that go from, you know, point A to point B, because once again, you only use a very small portion of your brain. So as you go through, you know, you kind of, you can do some reading on this is one of the biggest things about, you know, the great part about the mushrooms is it kind of opens up new synapses in the brain. So you have a different way of thinking. So that's kind of like the scientific kind of thought of it is, you know, that whenever it, I kind of find it funny, whenever they try to describe it just to the normal person is they're like, Oh, like, 
you know, mushrooms are, you know, mushrooms just have you kind of get a whole new realm of thinking and you're going to have this totally different thought process or, you know, it's going to open up your mind. I think that's one of the most common ones. And the reality of it is, is that really it just opens up different portions of thinking in your mind. And the way that that's important is because, so if you have a PTSD patient or, you know, a, or, you know, a soldier that came back from war and he has this really negative thought in his mind, you know, you know, you saw people die or he shot people. He has this like really dark cloud in his mind. What, what the mushrooms allow him to do is instead of going to that immediate thought, whenever something happens or something triggers it, what allows it to happen is kind of this like roundabout in the brain kind of comes around to hopefully, you know, kind of start blocking that off a little bit. So instead of that being so forefront in the front of your brain is it allows a different thought process. So once again, some really good thoughts about these mushrooms. And I, you know, I'm definitely somebody who thinks there can be a lot of good things that come from the mushroom industry. I think that it has to be in a controlled setting. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as, you know, once again, there are some cons to this as well. And I think that that's an extremely important, important piece because, you know, I think that there's a reason why mushrooms are looked at the way they are is because, you know, a lot of times, you know, not everybody that does mushrooms is necessarily a good, is a good person, just like, you know, um, you know, just hallucinogens in, in general, you know, that they do change your mind, they kind of change your thought processes. And but there's also many times, um, you know, the, that kind of God complex can be kind of brought among people who do these kind of things as well. Because once again, it kind of opens up different portions of your brain. And, you know, not every person is the, exactly the same. So these different thought processes could take a person from being like, you know, trying to find a way to being successful to opening up this different portion of being like, I want to be a God, you know, I want to be this like next level person, you know, and I think that that's something extremely important to once again, it being in a controlled setting, I think is extremely important. And that's what I think there is some, some nervousness as far as like you start legalizing these things, you know, people can go buy these from, you know, let's just say you sold magic mushrooms on a dispensary, you just had people going to buy mushrooms to take you know, there's, there's 100% bad trips, there are 100% bad trips. And whenever people start to have bad trips, or they start to becoming these, like the, they start creating these God complexes, and they're doing this at their house, you know, you can have a run of kind of crazy things that start happening, you know, you get people on hallucinogens, in a bad setting in a bad trip, or, you know, creating this complex over time, you're going to start creating just these, you know, these little potential ticking time bombs to explode. And once again, I'm, that's just, once again, playing devil's advocate, you know, there's definitely some pros, you know, as far as like thinking around this, you know, if you're an extremely depressed person, there's just something that's like weighing on you every day you wake up and you just have this like thing weighing on you. Um, whether, whether it be your job, a family, you know, you don't know what it is. You just have this like thing weighing on you. What allows this to happen is your brain creates these paths to kind of go around it and for you to open up your mind about it, you know? And of course there can be also, but this is also the two part caveat is like, there's also things that like, you know, if you take and you have a bad trip and you kind of go into that depression, you kind of take that full force on and you're you kind of get just get overwhelmed, overwhelmingly depressed in that trip that, you know, there's numerous counts of people jumping to their deaths, you know, just getting so overwhelmed with, you know, with what, whatever that, um, that depression is and not being able to control it. And then they commit suicide because that's that bad trip. They, they kind of lose sense of who they are, um, during that trip. So I think I just found that very interesting. I think that that's the, that's kind of the, the very, the very outlined of it as well. And I think it's, I think it also gives you a little bit of a scientific sense of what they actually do. Cause you know, whenever you take mushrooms, there's different things, you know, 
I always joke about it. Whenever you take mushrooms, you're supposed to drink orange juice because for whatever reason, the citrus gets in your stomach and I think the acids, kind of the digestion just kind of goes goes off and it's supposed to give you just a little bit brighter of a trip than if you don't take it. So, so you know, there's, there's different things. There's different ways to do it. And, you know, I think as science kind of takes this on, I think this is going to be something that really has real potential to kind of blossom into something pretty interesting. I think that, um, you know, you, you look at just in general, just like small studies, you know, they, they did a 12 month study at um, John Hopkins University, um, going over just, you know, the actual smoking cessations and other addictions. So, you know, if you have these addictions of smoking, and then you took mushrooms for, you know, this 12 month period of following up, and it relieved you from smoking, just think how much better your quality of life would be. You quit smoking, you are now not addicted necessarily to mushrooms because you know that there's you know that that's not what they actually did in the study. They didn't have anybody that actually got addicted to the mushrooms, but they were able to get these people off smoking, which would be huge. If you get anybody soft smoking, you know, that's a two two part win because you're not only saving that person from, you know, inevitable lung cancer, but it's also something you're saving you're also saving that person's family of having to go through that and you're also saving the environment as well from just like, you know, cigarettes are just terrible in my mindset. There's, there's not a lot of arguing with me about that. I just don't think that that's a, that's a great thing. Um, but then the other piece of, you know, once again, you kind of go into some studies about it, um, cancer related psychological distress. So, and I think this is something that really kind of caught what piqued my interest the most as far as, you know, how this can really be a substantial improvement in quality of life is, you know, someone has cancer, you know, and they, they have, you know, they're, they're basically going to be doctor gives them 12 months to live and they're on cancer. And then, you know, why not allow them to quote unquote, like kind of view, change their mindset about it? You know, I think it'd be very easy if someone just said you have 12 months to live to kind of sit there and just be like, well, just be depressed. You're anxious. You know, any day could be the day, you know, instead, you know, they, they gave them these mushrooms. I, I think it was at UCLA, or no, 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 I'm sorry. It was at John Hopkins in 2016. Um, they did the same kind of thing. They did, they did a treatment of the, of the actual mushrooms and the quality of life was extremely higher. And I think it, once again, you kind of changed that, that brain path of, you know, kind of constantly going to death, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm going to die in 12 months. You know, it's, you're anxious about it because you know, never know when the day is going to come and all that stuff. And you kind of open up the mind to where it's like, you know, what else is there to think about? And I think that that's something huge of, you know, being able to relieve the mind of that stress, you know, kind of coming on about just in general, kind of coming on about, you know, death in general and being that having that overwhelmingly, you know, life ending thought you know, being able to kind of go across that and kind of open up your mind and be like, oh, you know, that, you know, there's other things to it. And, you know, I've lived a good life and there's, there's positive things to it. So, um, I think that, I think it's going to be a fascinating thing is, is the, there's going to be a ton more research coming up, um, especially about, you know, whenever they start doing more stuff on depression, you know, cause depressions, depression is one of those depressions, like pain, it's all it's all up to the patient. The patient, there's no way a doctor can ever be look at a thing and be like, "Oh, you have a broken arm, you must be in a lot of pain." You know, every patient's gonna say that differently. Some people that'll be a ten, other people that's a three or four. Some people can just handle pain a lot better. Same thing with depression. You know, I've had people tell me they're 
something causes a ton of stress, they get very distressed, they get overwhelmed, they just can't handle their, they just can't handle it. And, you know, other people, you know, that it's just, you know, they just deal with it and they don't, they don't get depressed, but it's all a, a person by person thought process. So as these, as these kind of studies come on, it'll be very, very interesting to me to see what the actual, I guess, inline is, is, you know, how does it kind of cure those, you know, that level of anxiety in, in, in patients and, you know, that, um, level of, of, um, of depression in patients as well. And I think, I think in general, from the most common thing that I see and hear about is anxiety. I think anxiety is something that is for whatever reason, a growing thing in our, in our, in our just human race from an American side, like I feel like so many Americans get, get anxious from, you know, like going to sleep on Sunday and they have to go to work on Monday and they have to get this like, you know, PowerPoint ready, or they have to, they have to present a new sales pitch or they're calling on a new patient or, you know, they, they just have to get ready to go. Or, you know, there's even the thing of, this is something that I, for whatever reason, whenever I go and I'd have a really fun weekend and I get super drunk on one night and then I wake up the next day and don't feel great about two days later. So if I got really drunk on that Friday, about Monday morning, I have this really heavy level of anxiety that kind of comes over me and it just sits in the middle of my chest for like three or four days. And I don't know what it is. It just, it, and it just comes every time I get super drunk like that and it kind of comes in and weighs on me pretty heavily. And it doesn't, it can be over anything in particular. It doesn't have to do with work. It doesn't have to do with you know, personal life stuff doesn't have to do with anything. It just like, just get this really heavy level of anxiety. And I started getting when I was like, maybe 27. And it's pretty much stayed the same since, you know, I'm gonna be 31 this year, you know, and but, you know, once again, you think about what if every time you got super drunk, and then the next day, whenever you have that hangover, you took, you know, maybe just a very small portion of mushrooms, you know, just, you know, maybe trip just a little bit. And then, you know, what if you didn't get that anxiety? Would it be worth having that little bit um, for that day after so you wouldn't have to deal with that anxiety if it prevented it? So, you know, once again, just putting some real life stuff in. I think that, you know, it's that that's one of the biggest things is being able to relate to somebody that actually has, you know, a real life, you know, something to kind of relate to. So, that was kind of that was kind of that portion there um but yeah that that was pretty much what I wanted to talk about on this actual podcast you know once again talk about the pride community um to give you some actual numbers as far as you know the suicide rates in that community and, and just kind of give you overall what what I think about you know just what I think about it. I think that a lot of times it gets brushed under the rug it's one of those topics I feel like it's like religion, you know, sexual orientation, race, you know, you kind of have all this stuff kind of all bottled up into one bucket that you're like, Oh, well, I don't really want to talk about it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, I, I think that th- I think that that's something that, you know, there's not really any reason not to, I don't think that it really, I don't really see it like really impacting one person more than another, if everybody can be open to it and just welcome it. And once again, I think that, you know, and I say that, with, you know, kind of, you know, once again, kind of a two-part piece to it is, you know, I think there needs to be a certain level of respect. I think from the straight community, I think it needs to be a certain level of respect to being, you know, they're just, that, that's, you know, two gay dudes want to be holding hands in public and, you know, that that is what it is. I don't think that it you could, you should be able to say anything to that. I don't think you should be able to, you know, try to belittle anybody or try to, you know, cast a level of hate on those people because, you know, they're just living their life. They're doing what they just, what anybody else wants to do. You know, if you have a new girlfriend, what do you want to do? You want to hold her hand, 
you know, you want to, you know, you want to at least have that level of commitment in public. So, you know, I think that that's important to be said. Um, but at the same time, I do think that, you know, there does need to be a certain portion of respect as well from the gay community to the straight community of, you know, if there's a straight guy or straight girl and, you know, and, you know, you kind of overstep the bounds, I think there needs to be, you know, there needs to be kind of a readjustment of thought process in that individual being like, all right, I need to, you know, respect the borderlines of, you know, whether they're gay or straight, you know, but I, but if a straight guy is straight, I think there needs to be a certain level of, um, of, of respect from that community. So that's kind of, that's kind of my thought process on it. And then, uh, just wrapping up with the magic mushrooms, I think, you know, tons of good information. I think if anybody gets a chance, just pull up some of the FDA stuff that they're kind of looking at. Um, look at some of the studies they did at John Hopkins, some really good information. Um, so yeah, so that's really it. And then, um, I'm going to kind of end on just what actually my diet is right now. I know just totally kind of a little bit different than what I had been talking about different from, from other thoughts and other diet stuff that I had been talking about. So, um, so every morning I wake up at about four fifteen to four thirty, And the first thing I do is I have one cup of egg whites. I drink it with BCAs. Um, basically BCAs just mask the flavor of it. Just kind of makes it like I'm drinking like fruit punch, you know, um, egg whites. So I have that at about, you know, about 4:30, 4:45, and then I go work out. I work out in the morning and then I had drink a protein shake and then I go to work and then I don't need again until noon. Um 12 o'clock is usually that that kind of cut off for me. That's usually I'm either already into a lunch with the doctor, you know, I'm getting ready to have a lunch with the doctor. So that's when I usually have my lunch. Um about 12, then I kind of have a snack usually probably around 2, and then I usually have my other big meal whenever I get home from work, maybe like 5, 5:30. Um, eight again. And then I usually have my last meal of the day around seven, nothing major. Usually that's kind of just, you know, maybe like a bowl of cereal or something like that, just kind of something called small. Um, and that's pretty much my meals of the day. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, the reason why I say that is, you know, right now I weigh about 196, you know, I float really, honestly, I float between about 193 to 198, just depending on the, uh, the day, um, father's day, not going to lie. I, uh, had my favorite cranberry, uh, may, uh, what, cranberry mandarin muffin they're just absolutely delicious from sprouts so but it was father's day so i indulged a little bit this morning but um but in general you know i float between 193 and 198 and it's kind of where i want to sit at you know my waist size is about a 31 you know I, i'm able to control it you know i feel like i have a good look to myself right now um face looks thin you know all that good stuff so i say that because you know i'm not really following necessarily quote-unquote hardcore intermittent fasting but in my mindset, it is like a certain portion of fasting. Like I only, you know, I, by about noon, I've only consumed about 240 calories and I've had about 65 grams of protein. So, you know, it's, that's usually my morning. And then in the afternoons, you know, I usually probably have between my first and set or my lunch and my actual dinner, I probably have maybe 12 to 15 ounces of chicken with maybe two to three cups of rice mixed with, you know, probably an avocado and, you know, whatever else I'm eating. Um, but you know, that, that's usually where it kind of sits at. So, you know, once again, very high protein, you know, decent amount of carbs, my protein to carb ratio is probably very similar. Um, and then I get majority of my fats from my actual avocado. And then just depending on whatever I eat. So, you know, sometimes I have a I have Greek food, so throw some olives in there, some feta cheese or something like that, and that's pretty much my extent of my fat. So, 
But that's kind of my one thing. So, you know, once again, if anyone's ever trying to look for some diet stuff or just, you know, you have some questions or anything, um, feel free to reach out to me. I'll, I'll always try to help you with what, with where I can. And if I feel like your question or anything's a little bit over my head, then I'll pass you on to, you know, I know quite a few people kind of in that industry. So I try to pass it on to them. So, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and thanks for listening. Thanks guys.